lovely to have you with us today. If you're here for the first time, we extend a very special welcome to you. Yes, we are starting a new series and we'd love that you've joined us. We're uh, so pleased that you have. So, where do we start? It's the start of a four-week series. So, um, essentially what I'm going to do is each week is going to build on the week prior, right? So, what we hear today is actually incomplete without this four-part model that I'm going to cover across the month of August. So, we're running this series so that we can improve church attendance. No, we're not. <laughs> but we do encourage you to get here each week because um, I pray that what I, um, what I unpack today is absolutely helpful to you, but I really do have to say that it is incomplete in and of itself, yeah? And so you will need weeks two, three, and four to get the whole picture. It's so true that the only predictable thing about life is that life is unpredictable. Isn't that so? And if we've been living for, you know, any longer than a few months, we know that. And uh, I just want to encourage you that um, as... We cover this series and as we cover the concepts in this series, there'll be things that are raised and things that we chat about and things that, um, that you know, I will say from here but will land and resonate for you in different ways because they'll land and resonate in a way that meets you where you're at in your own circumstances. And so I want to encourage you to have some um, writing device, some notepaper, pen, whatever it is that you use to jot things down. I really, really want to encourage you to actually to ensure that what we cover is practical and that it lands for you in your own unique circumstances. I really do urge you, get some note-taking devices going because you will think about ways that the things that we discuss can really sort of play out in your own world. And if you're anything like me, you've got no chance of remembering it when we get out of here. And so do yourself a favour and note that down. Our heart's desire in running this series is really to help each and every one of us brave life storms because when we brave life storms well we know what the consequences of that are right we so know what that looks like and our heart is to ensure that the next time you face a storm you've got some skills some techniques some um some things up your sleeve that you can pull out to save you from that wretched and ugly feeling that has us feel like we want to put life on hold or run away or get under the doona and come out when it's all over. You know those feelings. They're ugly. They're uncomfortable. We don't like them. And so we want to give you something that will help you actually brave life storms in a way that's stronger, more resilient, and very different to the feeling of I want to run away. Over here, what we want you to do is to actually, when you experience a storm in your life, we want you not just to like, I'll give him a big thump, right? <laughs> we want, don't want you just to bounce back, but we want you to bounce forward. Every time you are knocked over, we want you to bounce forward and we want you to take a leap in the right direction. It's quite funny because when I bought that for, um, for, for something at one point, my younger son, who's eight, said, oh, mum, can I play with him? And I said, oh, yeah, that's okay. So he takes him away and I can hear him absolutely pelting this poor giraffe. And I'm thinking, oh, just the fleeting thought of, uh, I hope he's okay. Anyway, soon enough, he turns up and this limp giraffe in his hand and he goes, Mummy, did he have a slit at his neck when you first bought him? <laughs> I'm like, no, dude, he didn't. <laughs> but um, that's what we want you to do. We want you to bounce forward every time life throws a curveball at you and when the waves just get way too high. Of course, being strong and emotionally resilient in life is not about 
being immune to pain or being able to face some tough things in life and go, I'm okay with that because I've sat through a four-week series. No, it's not about that. Because you know what? If we were to be immune to the pain and the heartache and the stuff that hurts in our life, we'd probably be, you know, like comatose or in denial or something about that. So that is not what we're saying. That is not what we're talking about. The other thing is, in case you're thinking that what we're going to unpack is actually for the storms of life that are really humongous, that, you know, rank at the nine and the ten, they're not. They're for the storms of everyday life. They're for the storms that rank at one and two as well. The things that get you down, the things that challenge you, the things that make you feel burdened, stuck, like you don't know what to do, you don't know how to move forward, you're hurting, but you're, you, you're just completely incapacitated. It's for all of the storms in life, one, two, and onwards. If I hold this glass of water up, right, it's pretty light. Who wants to take a guess at how much this might weigh? I don't know, 150 grams? I don't know. So it's not very heavy, and I can walk around with this really for the next half hour if I had to, right? But if I had to hold this up like this for three hours, it would start to get heavy, wouldn't it? If I had to hold this up for a week, oh my goodness, this 150 grams of water would suddenly feel like it was the weight of the world in my hand. My arm would go numb. And so, you see, sometimes we go, oh, that's okay. I'll just sort of like turn my back on that one and hopefully it'll go away. But what we don't realize is that sometimes the storms of life that actually only weigh 120, 150 grams end up weighing down on us when we carry them for too long. Having said that, I do want to say that I acknowledge, of course, that for many of us, there's some really big storms going on in our world right now that you would say, you know what, Susie, well, that's great. I'm so glad that you're talking about those little ones, but you've got no idea what's going on in my life because I've got nine and ten storms going on. And I am not naive enough to say that you sit through a four-part series and you can tackle those big ones. I've been through nine and ten storms in my life as well. I lost my mum 24 years ago. I lost my dad 16 years ago. I've got some friends who actually just lost their 18-year-old son in his sleep last week and the funeral happens to be tomorrow. And so, you know what? Some people face some massive storms in life and I dare say that some of us here in this audience today are going through some tough things as well. If that is you, we want to say that go and get some help. Get some professional help. There's people out there that are trained and well-equipped to help you journey through your tens and your nines, yeah? So I guess I don't really know where each of you are at in terms of the storms that life is throwing at you at the moment. But I do know and I can affiliate with the feelings that that those storms create. Those overwhelmed feelings, those anxious feelings, those stuck feelings, those demotivated feelings, those victimized feelings, life is unfair feelings, all of that. Maybe for you it's in the area of your health or maybe in the area of your finances. Or maybe your kids or a loved one are in crisis and your heart is absolutely aching and breaking, but your hands are stuck and you don't know what to do with that. Maybe it's in the area of your marriage or a friendship that's just like doing your head in and you just, you, you just can't see a way out. Maybe it's in the space of maybe being single or wanting to be a mum and that hurts and you just can't, you, know, you, you can't cope with the thought of, I don't know what tomorrow holds. Maybe it's in relation to your job or university degree where you just get up and you hate it to bits but you get up and you go and you don't know what else to do because you've started and now you have to finish or because you've got financial commitments and you don't know what else to do and you just have to keep going. You see, maybe it's in the area of your confidence and right now you're, you're sort of doing life and feeling really alone and thinking, well, 
you know, I've just got zero confidence at the moment. Like, you know, I can't even string a sentence together. And if I do, like no one even acknowledges that I've even spoken. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, we're complex beings. We're complex. And these things rightly keep us up at night. These things make us feel stuck and helpless. They have us fantasize about the fact that we'd like to close our eyes and wake up when it's all over. And our prayer for you during this series is that you will find some strength and some hope and some resilience to do the storms of life differently. Now, whether you've been part of church for a long time or whether this is the first time you've ever walked into a church, a lot of people actually know the story about Jesus on the boat with the disciples and there's this massive storm that unfolds. I'm just going to read it really quickly. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go, that's Jesus, let us go over the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? They were freaking out, rightly so. He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? And I say that that story teaches every one of us that it's God's message to you and I today to say, you know what, life will have storms. You know, God doesn't pull the wool over our eyes and pretend like life's a walk in the park. Life will have storms. And when you think that I'm fast asleep and when the waves are so big that they look like they're going to take over your life, I want you to know that this is in my domain and I've got it covered, yeah. Now, like I said, this series is a four-part model and we are going to cover four key things, four key elements to resilience and they'll come up on the screen in just one moment. Now, I just want to tell you that we are covering four things. We're looking at, our, uh, at redefining our values, and that'll make sense to you over the next 30 minutes. We're looking at then how our values impact and affect our thinking. So when we look at our thinking next week, we're going to look at how we can interpret things in our world in different ways. How the way that we think and the way that we tick and the way that we interpret certain things can actually very well cause our own storms. Then in week three, we'll look at how that all affects our emotions and our emotional state. And finally, in week four, we're going to look at what to do with all of that and how we can then take that information and that knowledge and then do something with it, what we ought to do on the behavioral front. Now, I just want to say for anyone who's sort of going, oh, that sounds very linear. This is not a linear model. I don't want to present it like that because, of course, it's not just one, two, three, four, bang. These four things will flow into one another, out of one another, and they will mingle and mesh and whatever else it might be, and that will become clearer to you as we move on. Now, I'm sure that you would agree with me that many conscientious people go through some really big storms and experience some tension in their life, and they ask this profound question that says, what can I do differently? What can I do to make things different? Because this hurts. This storm is like really ugly and it's painful and I don't like it. What can I do differently? And although that's a great question and it's quite a profound question, 
Believe it or not, it's not the best place to start. It is not the best place to start. It's great because it beats doing nothing. (laughs) But it doesn't tackle the issue at the beginning or at the root of the issue. Does that make sense? And so doing that and asking that question, even though it's great, is a bit like taking a Panadol to hide the pain when actually the root of the pain is a tumour growing on the inside. We need to tackle the root cause of what's going on first. And so when you and I are struggling with storms in our life, we need to actually identify, and this is what we're unpacking today, our value, the value system at work in our life and in our world that's actually causing this storm for us. The underlying motivation, the root, the trigger, the whatever it is that's going on beneath the surface that's causing this for us. And so I guess I probably need to start at at the start and define a value, right? Because it's one of those words that's a bit, oh, a bit intangible. And, you know, I often say to people, how do you define a value? And it's quite hard to put words around. So on the next screen, let's just read through a couple of, uh, of definitions. And it says, our values are our internalized ideals, standards, and benchmarks that influence our decisions, motivate our actions, and provide the grid by which we evaluate our circumstances. So our values are a bit like our internal GPS system, if you would like. Yeah, and so having said that, let's just say one of my values is generosity. That value of generosity would be my GPS system that would have me work out what to do and what to take when I'm going to someone's house for dinner, for example, or when I'm giving someone of my time, for example. If I had a value of excellence, then maybe if I printed a document and found that a picture on that document was pixelated, that I would reprint that document. Or maybe if one of my values was family time, if one of my kids wanted to sleep at a mate's house that evening and the rest of us were all home, then that value would lead me to say, you know what, buddy, maybe not tonight because the rest of us are all home and we're going to hang together. Simple examples, but you see what I'm saying. The other profound thing is that our values form our expectations on one, how our situation should pan out, and two, how people should behave. So our value system forms our expectations of how life should unfold. They're unspoken things on the inside, these values, but they form expectations that I'm sometimes aware of, sometimes I'm not. And they determine how life should unfold. Just on that, the next slide shows us, it would be worth taking a snap of this or, uh, or taking it away in some form. The difference between our expectations and our reality determines our meltdown. The bigger the gap, the greater the meltdown. What does that mean? The difference between what we expect to happen and what actually happens determines the gap in between. So if what I expect is so far removed from what actually takes place, I will have a massive meltdown. If what I expect is just a little bit removed from what I expect to take place, I will have a smaller meltdown. So our values dictate our expectations in a really massive way. Let me give you some examples. If I have a value that says that I, if I treat people well, that they will treat me well in return, then I will experience a storm, anxiety, tension, frustration, a meltdown when people actually don't treat me well after I've treated them well. If I have a value that says that if I raise my kids well, that they will make good choices, and they will be good, well-rounded adults, and that doesn't actually play out, then I will experience 
a gap that will cause some meltdowns, some frustration, some anxieties, and a big storm in my life. Again, if I have a value that says if I work hard, then I'll be able to get ahead, and that doesn't play out in my life and I'm constantly chasing my tail, then that'll mean that the gap, you get what I'm saying. Here's another one. If I have a value that says because this marriage that I'm in, because this ministry that I'm in, or because this friendship or relationship that I'm in was God's will, because I prayed about that, because it's God's will, it ought to be easy. If that's a value of mine and that doesn't play out and it's downright hard, (laughs) then the gap plays out. Can you hear what I'm saying? You see, it's important that we actually understand what these drivers are, what the underlying values are that are creating our expectations. And I'll tell you this, the reason we need to do that is because, shock horror, often you and I actually don't even agree with the very value that's driving us. Because if I was to say to you, really? So do you actually believe that if you treat people well, they should be treating you well in return? You might go, well, I guess not really. Like, it's their prerogative and, you know, I've seen it play out differently in my lifetime. So, no, not really. I don't necessarily agree. You see, that's what happens a lot of the time when it comes to our values and our expectations. We get so passionate about something. We expect it to work this way. We've got this silent thing going on called our value. We're so unaware of it, but yet if it was to surface and we were to raise it up and go, do I actually believe that? I go, actually, no. And so this is why you and I have actually got to come back to our values, the root, the reason, the trigger, the underlying of what's creating the expectation because, you see, the expectation has a lot to do with the meltdown and the storm. Well, that's great, Susie. What do we do with that? I want to help you work out what to do with that. When I'm experiencing a storm in my life, I can begin by asking myself this simple question. Why am I experiencing this tension, really? Why am I experiencing this tension, really? So there's a storm playing out. I'm not coping. I'm feeling really weak. I'm feeling really deflated. I'm feeling really overcome by this. I don't know how to move forward. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. I'm stuck. I just want to like, I can't even move on and do life until it's sorted. Why am I experiencing this tension, really? Now, that's not an answer that often we come up with just like that. Sometimes we need to really unpack and unpack and ask some more and question some more and ask a friend. For those of you who have a faith in God and are, you know, Christians, it might be going to God and going, well, can you give me some insight? Can you reveal what's going on on the inside? Why is it really? Once we've got that, we then move on to identifying the four A's. And so, again, they'll be on the screen in just a moment. The four A's, identify the value causing the tension by asking, why am I experiencing this tension, really? And then we do one of four things. And I thought the easiest way to make sense of these four things for us was to unpack them with a different example each. So can you bear with me while I do that for us? So the first one is to abolish it. So I've discovered what the value driving me is. The first option is to abolish it. The second option is to amend it. The third option is to abide by it. And the fourth option is to articulate it. And I'm going to unpack each of those with an example in just a second. Now, if you're sitting here and going, wow, Susie, that's a lot to take in. Totally. And that's why I said bring pen and paper, right? Secondly, 
we can sort of only really focus, if we're going to take this in well, we can focus on one thing at a time. So right now you're with me. You've got circumstances going on there and you're like, oh, how, how does this make sense to me? How does this make sense to me? You might not be able to do both things at once. Write it down, take it home and unpack it at home. Firstly, there was one example um, in, in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. And it was exa- an example that came from um, a guy by the name of King Saul. And he was the first king of Israel. Now, Saul found himself in a really massive storm. He was in trouble. Things were going wrong. I won't go into the detail of that situation, but things were going wrong for him. Consequences were playing out. The guy was losing sleep at night, to say the least, right? And then we read in 1 Samuel 15, 24, that he actually decided to go back and go, hang on a minute, like this is, this is just not right. This doesn't feel good. Something's not right here. So he probably, without calling, I'm going back to assess my value system, <laughs> just went, what is causing the storm that I am going through right now? And he worked something profound out. And in 1 Samuel 15, 24, it says this to us. The Bible says, Saul gave in and confessed. He said, I have cared more about pleasing the people. I let them tell me what to do. And so you see, he found himself in this storm. And what he did with that was he backtracked and went, right, what's the value driving me here? Oh my goodness. It occurred to him that he was a people pleaser, that he was going about life and going about his rule and reign in a way that was absolutely adamantly focused on people pleasing. But it was only when he went back and realized that was his issue that he discovered that that was his issue. So in a situation like that, where a value like that rises to the surface, perhaps an appropriate response would be, I need to abolish that. Because you know what? You and I would be in a whole lot of trouble if we went about life with the expectation and the intention of just wanting to please people, right? And so we've got to find these values and go, right, do I abolish that one? Do I amend it? Do I abide by it or do I articulate it? Now, that doesn't make much sense to you at the moment, but I'm getting there. But in this particular example, Saul could have gone, uh, of those four, that one needs to go. I abolish that one. <laughs> Let me give you another example. I know a couple who are um, in, a, in a marriage that's, um, that, you know, the common person would call a really struggling marriage. And uh, they've been in this situation for a while, so many arguments, so much dissatisfaction, so much tension, so much frustration, and actually two really beautiful, obliging, easy to talk to, easy to get along with people. But they find themselves in this situation, constantly carrying on, and then sort of like backing away from that and going, far out, that really caused a whole lot of angst. That was the dumbest thing that we've been arguing about. Got some help started to work on their communication skills, started to work on their conflict resolution skills. But not much was changing, or if it was, it was only really, really short term. But this thing, this storm, I'm not talking about arguments, I'm talking like a storm, is going on and raging in their world. And it wasn't until one of the partners in this marriage was actually able to identify a value at play in their world And able to backtrack and go, why, 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 really, why, why, really, were they able to identify that they had been raised in a family where education and status was of vital importance and really important 
in dictating a person's worth. This was completely blindsided to them. But when they unpacked that, that value outplaying in their life, they actually began to realise, like the lights went on, and they were like, oh my goodness, that's causing everything. Actually, that's why I'm frustrated. Actually, that's why I've got no respect for my partner. Actually, that's why they say things and my dialogue just goes, you're so dumb, what would you know anyway? But this was a value that they were living by that they were completely unaware of. Have things mended in this marriage? They are so improving. Are they perfect yet? No. But have they identified a key component that's playing out? Yes. So when this person goes on and goes, right, do I abolish that? Do I mend it? Do I abide by it? Do I, what do I do with that? They're able to go, well, I don't want to abolish it because, like, education is important to me. I've been raised in that way. You know, I've gone on and practised in that way. And so it's not, it's not that I want to go, no, education's not important and actually, you know, it's irrelevant. But I choose to amend it. I choose to give it a new definition. I choose to go, yes, education is important to me, but it absolutely no way, Jose, determines a person's worth. And suddenly, they're thinking differently. Suddenly, they see their partner differently. Suddenly, suddenly they realise this root thing going on in their world that they can go, hang on a minute. And as we move through weeks two, three and four, I'm just going to unpack the type of thinking that goes on in that faith when you have that revelation, the type of emotional shifts that go on when you have that revelation, and then the behaviours that can shift as a result of all of that, yeah? Let me walk you through another example. So for that person, it was, you know what? I'll amend that. I'll amend it. Another example. Imagine, imagine this. But before I I go into the example, I just want to say that sometimes... It's our, it's our values that are actually legitimate and valid that cause us the tension. So imagine this example. You're in a situation where you have a value that says, I want to have a good relationship with my kids, my parents, or with a significant other. That's your value. It's causing you so much tension. There's a lot of turmoil going on. The storm is raging around that because it's not playing out in that way for you. It's not looking like your relationship is good with your kids, with your parents, with a significant other. It's just not looking like that. So you see the gap between your expectations and your reality is so far removed. So you're in a massive storm. What makes it worse is that you look at this situation and you're like, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know how to make this better. I don't even know how to move forward. And so you've got this storm going on because there is a mismatch between your value and your reality. When you go back to your four A's, you might go abolish it. Well, no, because like I'm all sold out for good relationships with my kids or my parents or a significant other. So no, amend it. Well, I don't really know how to amend it. Like that's just it. That sounds good to me. Do I abide by it? And you go, yeah, yeah, I choose to abide by that one. That one's important to me. I'll keep that one. I'll file that one. I'll live by that one. But you acknowledge that because of that value, you are experiencing the tension. Does that make sense? Because of that value, it makes sense to Peter, that's awesome. (laughs) Because of that value, (laughs) you are experiencing the tension. So three different options. One, sometimes we just need to go, that one needs to go. In fact, I'm so embarrassed that I was living by that value. (laughs) 
I, I had no idea that that was out playing in my world. But man, I can understand now why it caused me so much frustration and why all the storms were raging and I abolished. Again, like our couple situation, it might be that I need to amend, redefine, give it some different words. You know, I'm not totally against that, but man, I didn't realise that I just had, it's just like parts of it are wrong, so I'll fix parts of it. Or that you totally agree with it and you want to abide by it. And so next week, (laughs) again, we're going to look at if you choose to abide by a value that's causing the storm, how you can begin to interpret that situation differently, how you can begin to look at it differently, how you can actually transform your neural pathways in a way that helps you become resilient and strong, even though that value is not playing out for you. And finally, one more example, and then we're done. One more example. Another guy in the Bible, the New Testament this time, and his name was Paul. And Paul had an interesting take on his value system. Unlike Saul, where we identified that Saul found himself in a storm and then backtracked and went, well, what am I going to do differently about this and what's really causing all of this? Paul had a different approach. And in Galatians 1.10, we're told this. It says, um, it gives us insight into the question that Paul was asking himself. He was asking himself this. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So immediately we see the contrast between the two guys' take on it. One backtracked. This one sort of sat with himself and went, well, hang on a minute. I want to work out what my value system is so that when the storm hits, I've got something to go by. He decided to enter in GPS settings that were according to his value system. Now, of course, our value systems are different. Each of us will have different value systems based on our beliefs, based on our upbringing, based on our experiences, based on everything that's pretty much come at us through all of our five senses over the course of our life. Yeah? If you're, uh, if you're someone who has faith in God, then your value system might very well be God's value system. And in asking yourself, what's my value on things, you might very well also be asking the same question in a different way, and that might be, what's God's value on this? Yeah? But our values are generally different for each of us. But you see, what set Paul ahead was that he started at the start. He was like, what's my value on this? What's my value when it comes to leading people, working with people, negotiating with people, leading people? What's my value there? And so, another way to go about it is to articulate it, is to basically get it before it gets us, is to go, what are my values on certain things? And so I want to pop this up because this is a great grid to give you some categories under which to begin to define your personal values. So you can categorise them under your spiritual values, character values, as in my character, who I am on the inside, relational values, health values, which cover the physical, emotional and mental, and then professional values, which cover your education, career or your finances. So if you want to, if you're like a really conscientious student, (laughs) you could go home and over the course of this week, you can get together, you can sit alone, get together with your significant others or with people in your world and go, hey, what are our values? in these five areas? What do we stand for? What are our GPS settings in these areas? Because much like Paul, when he found himself in a storm, he was able to go, well, actually, pleasing people is not my thing. 
And he had a grid and a map and a radar to go back to so that his storm was still there. This is not about avoiding storms. This is about looking at how to tackle them differently, how to confront them differently, how to receive them differently. So, obviously, there are hundreds, if not thousands, even in a small room like this, of scenarios that we could unpack just amongst us today. It's not possible to do that. One, because we don't have the time. Two, it's hard in this forum because we've got to engage and talk and connect and unpack and, you know, all sorts of things. But I do encourage you to take away the things that we've discussed quickly today. Unpack them in your own time with people in your world that you love and trust and work out what your value system is. Now, I want to say, the truth of the matter is this, and I've seen it unfold in my world before, that sometimes when we go back to unpacking this value system at work, we can open up a can of worms. And that's uncomfortable, and that's confronting, and that's hard, and that's emotionally depleting. But so is losing weight or getting fit, right? Sometimes the road to recovery, the road to resilience, the road to strength needs to unpack some hard concepts. So if you find yourself in that place, don't do that journey alone, but know that that is okay. Know that that is okay. I remember an incident in my life, a massive storm in my life, where one of my mentors said to me, do you know that you can actually work through that? And my immediate response was, no, thank you, because I couldn't, I just wasn't in an emotionally strong enough place to be able to go, I can handle the can of worms that I know will open up. But when I did, then we'd get places. And so that is just the reality of life that sometimes we've got to tackle and open up a can of worms to move forward. For those of you who have a faith in God and for those of you who would call yourself Christians, you would totally be delighted to know and be reminded of the verse in Isaiah 40, 29 that says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. As the band comes up, I just want to encourage you with what you've heard today. I want to encourage you to do something about it. You and I know better than to, to, to think that we can sit through 30 minutes on anything and have it change our life just because it's entered into our ears. But our prayer for you and our heart for you and for us, you know, when the team got together and and decided what it was that we were going to tackle in this series, our desire, our intention, our prayer and our heart was to see each and every one of us do life from a place of strength, a place of resilience, a place where when we do get knocked over and when the storms of life knock us about, that we bounce forward, that we get further, that we have some precedent to say that I've got this and I can do this and I have a God who's got this and can do this for me. And so that's our prayer for you. Come back next week to work out how to actually interpret our situations differently. So all the stuff that sits in here, in our head, how to reprogram our neural pathways, how neuroscience takes out on how we can become more emotionally resilient. Have a great week. Know that you're prayed for, know that you're thought of, and together you've got everything it takes 
to be able to do life from a resilient 